in the fast lane can get you into the odd scrape. Remember the Chemical Brothers song, Where Do I Begin? Sunday morning, I'm waking up, can't even focus on a coffee cup, don't even know whose bed I'm in. Where do I start? Where do I begin? Don't let yourself be trapped. Get out before it's too late. Oh dear, it's too late. A sweet disorientation. A tear in the fabric. A crack in the dull gloom of the mind. A sliver of white. Or maybe just the sun reaching through the curtains. Maybe just the day, another day, asserting itself. You open your eyes, not too much, not with the intention of full observation, but just to check that, yes, those are indeed curtains, and that familiar ache in your skull is a hangover. Little changes, then. But where are you? What is this place? A bedroom, of course, and you appear to be lying here, naked. It's happened before, don't be alarmed. And is there... You risk a very slight turn of your head, yes... There is another person lying there, lying perfectly still, just like you. You notice, and the thought settles for the first time, that this is not your room. It is not your house. So you wait. You are expecting now to initiate a process with which you are well versed. That is, a slowly building flood of regret, shame and memory, all rushing in at once, all to jerk you fully awake with a slap of retribution. But oddly, the expected descent into self-loathing doesn't start. Or it is at least delayed, because you can't remember what happened. You don't know where you are, and you have absolutely no idea at all, even as you wring out your poor befuddled alcohol mop of a brain, no idea who this is lying beside you. And that's probably not good. Is this amnesia? Maybe you just need a few clues, but there's nothing in your immediate environment that looks promising. Where are your clothes, for one thing? They do not appear to be casually cast about, as has been your wont in previous encounters of this sort. Have you actually had an encounter, though? So little information is available, you may have to resort to verbal inquiry, which could, of course, lead to conversation and all manner, then, of apologies and excuses and humbled, excruciating exit. But perhaps it can't be helped. I know this sounds unforgivably crude, but did we, do you think, last night or whenever? The reply is almost immediate, probably better than a long silence, but don't read too much into that just yet. Do you know? I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, here we are. But as to how, or why, or where, well, that's another story. You can't remember. Appallingly impolite. I'm so sorry. Yes, I don't seem to have any recollection either, of any of it. How strange. So, this isn't your house. I was hoping it was your house. Alas, no. The voice is reassuring enough, quite soft, quite calm. There have been worse exchanges on the morning after the night before. You incline your head a little to catch a glimpse of this unknown, unrecognised, but assuredly also naked stranger. And thank God for that at least. 
a perfectly ordinary, possibly even slightly attractive, human face. Well, what had you been expecting? A vampire? An orangutan? A quivering blob of alien slime? Instead, you notice stormy hazel eyes and an ever-so-crooked but possibly endearing-in-time smile. That will do nicely. I must have been drinking last night. Oh, me too. Very blurred round the edges. Foggy. Bit of a headache. Nauseous. No, just a muffled drumbeat in my brain. It will pass. We really should know better. It's not as if it hasn't happened before. Quite. A rapport is established and you relax. Still, there's that nagging conundrum. You are both here, but it seems that neither of you can retrace your steps. Were we drinking together? We could well have been. What were we drinking? Well, I'd say it was a mix. Why do you say that? When I stick to the one thing, wine or beer or even cocktails, then I never get a hangover. But when I mix and match, it's always fatal. I know what you mean. And then suddenly the duvet is pushed back, and my companion in lapsed memory skips to the door. Must find the toilet back soon? Don't be too long. Now why did you say that, idiot? You sound like a child afraid of the dark. But you do also need the toilet, come to think of it, and a splash of water at least on your face. Maybe even a shower. Some way of cleaning your teeth would be good. And you nestle under the covers and contemplate the pleasures of ablution. Such simple joys, though even they do not help you better understand the route taken to this place. What of it? You'll be up and out in no time, and be sucked back into the great gaping maw of the city. Soon enough you'll blend your mild, placid personality with the cold anonymity of the human flood. You'll disappear, as you always do, into the heart of the fury, into the white noise of a million voices. Your bedfellow returns, and you swap places. Steady there. A dizziness overwhelms you as you rise. You reach for the door frame and hold it for a minute. Recovered, you find yourself in a small hallway with three other doors opening from it. Two appear to be locked, but the third one yields and you find yourself in a white-tiled shower room, floor to ceiling with pristine, dazzling surface and a gently sloping floor directing water to a central drain. There is a toilet in the corner, and a round steel shower head hangs invitingly down. A wet room, they call it. You try to peer out from the window, but the glass is frosted to protect your modesty. You use the toilet and turn on the shower. The gentle rain from heaven cleans you, washes away the night. You smear crystal blue shower gel all over yourself from a large bottle that is attached to a high-tech dial. You're not interested in massage settings or sports injury jet mode. You shut the water off after a brief inner debate about the optimum length of time you should spend under a stranger's shower. And then, cool and dripping, you rub toothpaste, you hope it's toothpaste, you don't recognise the brand, onto your teeth, and you wipe away the film of last night's success with your fingers. It wouldn't do to put someone else's toothbrush in your mouth despite the many things you've put in your mouth, which you probably shouldn't have over the many hip-hopped, coked-up nights of your life. You are now reborn, 
breathe a sigh of relief, take a look in the mirror. There's time left for a little more dissolution, and perhaps the bed is beckoning. Nice and clean as a new pin. Marvellous. You feel a hand on your knee, an inquiry, not a demand. You accept the offer, you engage with the process, you decide that yes, once again, yes, you will fall into the well of longing. And so, to a kiss, fresh as spring water, deep as darkness. And here it is, the concatenation of bodies, the unravelling of lust, such effortless effort. You can't have done this last night. There would have been a lingering taste of sweetness, surely. The body as temple, as divine worship. All the pathways of desire leading down to a parting of the thighs, to a slow discovery, a revelation of the ordinary transformed by craving. Welcome to the feast. A mutual unveiling, envelopment, release, caress, Featherlight tongue to tongue, and the calm of recovery, the quiet laughter of satisfaction rising again in perfect time to further crescendo. All the simple tricks, all the secret places, everything expected, but also everything renewed. This is good, this is very good. You could go on, you will go on, on you go. Look at the two of you. What would your mother say? The bed is a puzzle of entanglement. You have rampaged through each other to a clenched exhaustion, mouth pressed to mouth. You are entwined. You are sated, but still descending from the high altitude of sex. Where are you now? Floating, radiant with postcoital delight, you greedy narcissist, you admirable quaffer, of the wine of life. Time? What is time? Who keeps track of time? It is long past the moment when you should be off and out. Yet you linger, you dally, loose-locked with a panting passion that is not yet wholly extinguished. Might you steal one final moiety of heaven? You fold yourselves into another reckless architecture of embrace and tumble from the bed onto the floor. And the jolt makes you giggle and snort. There is no pain, nothing broken, just the forced unknotting of complex geometries. You have landed nearest the bed. Your companion has rolled to the wall. Oh, the hilarity! And now you can see it. The details, the bigger picture. The jigsaw pieces, all that retrospective knowledge, here it is. It seems to come in a flash. But we can never fully describe the thought process, can we? Intellectually, we assume it must all be language-based. No thought without words. But instinctively, we know that is not true. What happens is a photon of awareness. When multiple pieces of information arrive all at once... We don't articulate it, especially not if there is impending danger. No, we absorb at the speed of light. Of course, we do. Otherwise, the fight-or-flight reflex would be useless, wouldn't it? For you, of course, it's always been useless. You are strictly in the flight camp, aren't you? You are being permitted 
to take in the scene. There you are on the floor, but your head had been in a fluffy cloud of ecstatic amusement. Get it out quick. That is exactly what you think it is. That thing there, under the bed. Yes, that. But you don't feel panic, which is strange. You feel a kind of fatalistic acceptance. It's probably the wrong option. Blind panic really is what is called for here. Calmly, you scrutinise the object of concern. Tucked under the bed is what can only be described as a dead body. A naked dead body. A naked, semi-decomposed dead body. And now a few clues begin to register, a few matters to which you paid absolutely no attention when they presented themselves to you earlier. First, the memory issue. Could it be that you have no memory of how you got here because that memory, that consciousness, was somehow taken from you? By chemical means, perhaps. Not your usual chemicals, of course, like the booze, the snow, the weed, the whole family of weekend excitements. No, proper drugged we're talking here. And then there are the two locked doors in the hallway. Completely understandable to lock your front door, everyone does, can't be too careful. We're not in innocent rural bucolic pastures, but the ferocious maelstrom of the crazy city. Lock away, deadlock, add bolts and padlocks, no one would question that. But locking doors in the hallway? That can only mean one thing, can't it? You're a prisoner. A clean prisoner, certainly. A prisoner who has just been all pheromoned out by vigorous sexual congress. But you are also vulnerable and naked. And you are lying on the floor, staring at a rotting corpse, and there is no way out. You feel the magnetic pull of the inevitable, turning your head away from the victim to the perpetrator, and in that turn you quickly abandon any hope that you've simply got it all wrong, that there's an explanation for all of this that doesn't involve words like sadist, psychopath, and serial killer. You find yourself looking at the face that you have kissed, the body you have known in an oh-so-biblical way. We're at revelation now. The smile is still in place. The smile that you see so clearly at last is the rictus of an absolute malevolence. Thank you. <laughs>